I've always dealt with anxiety. Uh, I'm self-aware that I'm like a neurotic, you know, Woody Allen kind of Jew. That's just who I am. It's my personality type. I don't know if it's in my genes, if it's an epigenetics thing, but for whatever reason, a lot of the people of the Jewish culture seem to suffer with mental illness, primarily things like a generalized anxiety disorders, uh, high levels of stress. Uh, lots of people suffer with this, but I, I've, I've seen more of a concentration in the Jewish community than anywhere else. And I think a lot of that may stem from our, our past. Um, epigenetics has just allowed the st stress gene, whatever that is, to be more prevalent. But uh, thankfully, there's a lot of incredible resources in the form of books and podcasts and public speakers and doctors and medication and therapy that if someone is needing to seek this kind of help or wisdom, they can. It's, it's fairly easy thanks to the Internet. It's easier than it's ever been. While I was on my personal journey of self-healing, I discovered many outlets that I found were very beneficial to my personal healing, and one of those was Taoism. Because Taoism also comes from the Stoic approach, uh, it has many different names, but it's always the same thing, and that's essentially you can't change the outcome, but you can change your reaction to it. Now today's episode is going to take a few go down a few different esoteric paths, but in reality, the main premise of today's episode is about not getting bogged down by the judgment of others, not being afraid to create because you're afraid of what people's reaction may be. A lot of people ask, and in their own words, how they put it and how I've seen it more times than any other time is how to stop caring what other people think of you. So that's what today's episode is going to be about. Going back to what I was talking about with Taoism, I wanted to share a story with you. I think it's a good way to start the podcast because it'll give you a foundation for where my head's at and how I've started this path of what am I going to do? There's nothing I can do to change how people think about me, so I'm just going to roll with the punches and keep doing what I think is right. When I went to a Taoist temple for the first time, I first uh, was approached by a man with a bald head and he was very kind. He greeted me. He could tell that I was way out of place, and I was just, I was there to just to learn. I, I wanted to learn more about it. I read a book called The Tao of Pooh, uh, about Winnie the Pooh explaining Taoism, because Pooh is so simple-minded, and they try to explain the philosophy of the Tao is, is that simple, generally. It's, it's, you're, you're getting too clouded in the intricacies of everything, when in reality, everything is fairly simple. It either is or it is not, and that's what I got from it, but I wanted to speak to someone that is more well-versed in the philosophy than I was just from reading a single book. So I went to a temple, and the guy was more than happy to answer my questions. What I thought was interesting is was definitely his appearance. He did uh, have a shaved head, and he did have the appearance one to think that maybe someone that worked uh, religiously, no pun intended, at a Taoist temple would look like. And the first thing he hit me with is what I consider a, a metaphorical haymaker. A haymaker of wisdom, if you will. And what that is is he said the journey of a thousand steps begins with the first step. Now, I believe that was uh, Lao Tzu who originally said it. it. Just because he's not the one that originated doesn't mean it's not as powerful. It's, it's incredibly true. Anything, any journey that has many intricacies and moving parts, it starts with one first step. You can't do anything. You can't get to your end point until you just take that first leap. Even if that first leap leads to failure, you're still one step closer because that's part of the process of getting to your destination. And that flabbergasted me, but he continued, and he, uh, he elaborated what he was saying by saying that even the most ferocious of predators, in his specific case, he was referring to tigers. He said where he lives, tigers are fairly prevalent, and people are, uh, people, when they would go into the jungle to look for food or medicine, he said a lot of the medicine actually came from there. He came from a very small village. 
And he said uh, the tigers that were quite ferocious, he even understood that at the time when they're a full-grown tiger, they're very ferocious. But when they're first born, they're, they're a helpless kitten that relies on their mother for safety. So he said even the most ferocious of predators starts as a helpless kitten. And you can imagine how flabbergasted I was by, by that insight. Living with tigers alone is frightening, but just to, just to imagine uh, that something as ferocious and fearsome as, as a predatory tiger could start off as the most helpless, dumb, for lack of a better word, because they're not experienced, kitten, how does it get to that point where it is a killing machine that only goes for the carotid artery because they have a special tooth that knows to do that? Like, how do they figure that they are? The tiger is, is an apex predator. Nothing hunts tigers. Tigers are as ferocious and as good at hunting as anything can be in nature. They are perfection as far as hunting goes. But when they're first born, they're the farthest thing from it. And uh, this metaphor, to me, it always st stuck with me because it, it really is a metaphor for life that you, you're, not, you're never born that ferocious predator. You're born as a kitten. And over time, you develop skills. And those skills allow you to arm yourselves with knowledge that it turns you into that ferocious predator. In our case, ferocious predator meaning someone successful, someone that has self-worth, someone that has value that they can provide to other people and make an income off that value. Now I understood the metaphors that he was trying to help me when I was trying to work through how do you get to where you hope to be and he just said like it's it takes time it takes effort it takes patience patience is the biggest key but and he was very I have to I can't express this enough how patient he was and kind enough to answer my silly questions as I, I was at the time I would say more desperate than I was now I was just looking for guidance and help to just try to rein in my thoughts because I just my, my thoughts were so sporadic and causing me such anxiety that I I was trying everything from meditation to Taoism to medication and nothing was really nothing really hit the spot so this felt like it was working in the right direction of you cannot control the outcome but you can control how you react to it so as I was asking him many questions he was answering all of them but something that stuck with me even more so than the tiger metaphor was I was asking him how he deals with negativity from the outside because if I can control my own consciousness and I can control how I react to things how can I control when other people are being negative towards me or negative around me because you can't control other people's emotions you can't control how other people are and you'd be lying to yourself if you were to deny the fact that you're not affected by those around you especially by those you love and those you hold closest to you like your friends your family your girlfriend your your animals like to deny that they have their emotional state has an effect on you would be lying to yourself so I asked him, what can I do about the anger and negativity around me? Because I want to learn to be strong, but not shut them out. Because that's the only way that I knew how to cope with that kind of stuff. I, I just couldn't surround myself with it because it would get to me. And once again, he hit me with another haymaker of insightful wisdom. And he said that anger is like carrying a boulder. It's heavy, and people pass it to relieve themselves of the tension. As he so eloquently put it, don't accept it. The result is the person carrying the boulder will become crushed under its weight. You cannot feel the weight if you do not accept it. So he's saying if someone's being angry to you, if someone's being negative, so if someone's commenting something that you feel is negatively uh, pointed towards you, whether, whether, they're, whether they're being mean online, saying hurtful things about anything regarding you, or they just have malevolent intentions, just don't accept it. Because if you do not accept it, the weight of that anger and negativity will crush them as if they were actually holding a physical boulder. The reason why people are so quick to pass it on is, as he said, it holds weight, it weighs you down, and people don't want to, even though they're the ones 
manifesting it. They themselves don't want to have to keep holding on to it, so they try to pass it along so they're no longer burdened by the weight of the anger or negativity. But if you don't accept it, eventually they will they become weak at the knees, and it will crush them under their own weight. And while that sucks for them, it's not your responsibility to take their burden away from them. They need to, just as we do, work on ourselves, and when anger presents itself and manifests itself within us, we need to breathe it out, and we need to say this isn't anybody's burden to bear but our own. And the only way to remove it is to just change your thought process. It sounds easier than it is, but that's because it is easier to say than it is. But that doesn't mean you just don't do it because it's easier to say than do. Just many things are easier to say than do, and that doesn't mean just because it's easier to say than do that you just don't do it now because it's easier to say. Like That's, that's stupid logic, and you, that it, really it's at the detriment of yourself and your own mental health. So I recommend trying to change your thought process. That's, that's the first step. And as I said, it's easier said than done, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. You still got to try to do it. So now we're going to go more into the clinical aspects of how we can stop worrying or caring what other people think of you, whether it's positive or negative. Because if you accept one, you have to accept both. You can't just listen to the good stuff and not listen to the bad. It all comes at the same time. So either you drown it all out or you drown none of it out. Before we go any further, I would like to remind you guys that there is a very, very significant difference between constructive criticism and people that are just trying to be malevolent in their actions, people that are just trying to bog you down just because they want to be negative. If someone is taking the time to absorb your message and they have a certain skill or expertise that they feel they can inject some insight into to make your performance or whatever you do better, and they're doing it in a way where they say, hey, Loved this episode of the podcast, but I noticed your audio was a little low. If you try changing this setting, you may be able to improve it, make it easier for people that are hard of hearing. That's not negativity. That's somebody trying to help you improve. And you should always, at the very least, if you don't even listen to their advice, at least accept what they're saying. At least say, well, maybe I should take that into consideration. I don't have to necessarily do it, but at least listen to them. At least give them the respect of listening, because if they've taken the time to offer constructive criticism with the intention of helping you move forward, the least you can do is show them the respect of listening. It's very easy. Anybody with half a brain can figure out the difference between when someone's trying to be constructive in their criticism and when someone's just trying to criticize. I'm going to leave that to you to use your own judgment, but I think I think all of you guys are more than smart enough to know the difference. So let's get back into the topic at hand, how to stop caring what people think of you. I wanted to say that it, it is normal to have this feeling because we are social creatures. The problem isn't that we value being in a group, that we value, we're aware that we need people to cooperate with in order to proceed in anything we do, be it government, jobs, family, anything. We need more than one person to succeed at a faster rate. That's not the problem, that acknowledging that we need to work with other people. The problem is that we hyperbolize our thoughts. And what I mean by that is we take our thoughts and we stretch them to such an over-exaggeration of the worst-case scenario, something that is far more like, less likely to happen than anything else that could happen. But we, we cling to that hyperbolized thought as if it's a guaranteed thing that worst-case scenario is going to happen every single time. And very rarely is that ever the case. So the first step to quieting this monkey brain of ours is to work on your self-awareness. And I know a lot of people say that, and they say, well, what's self-awareness? Self-awareness, I'll simmer it down, it's, it's literally nothing more than catching yourself when you're ruminating on these negative thoughts. It, there's not much to it. I know it sounds esoteric to be self-aware because people like Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna and 
Deepak Chopra always talk about this kind of stuff as though you will find your higher self with self-awareness. Really all self-awareness is is catching yourself when you've been sitting on your phone, not even paying attention to what you're doing because you're really in your head for the past 30 minutes. That's That negative talk isn't going to help you. It's not going to make your business any better. It's not going to help your clients. It's not going to help you. It's not going to do anything except detrimental to your whole life. So if you can be self-aware and catch yourself when you get get caught in these cycles, ruminating on your negative thoughts, you'll be able to say, wait a minute, I, I've realized I've spent the last 15 minutes thinking about a situation that may never even occur. If, it's, if I'm that worried about it, we can write down what I can do to fix it to the best of my ability and then let go of the rest because I can't control what I can't control. I'm telling you, it, it, that is one of the most powerful and empowering things you can do to stop this ruminating mindset that many of us have. If someone hates my guts and they hate my podcast, and I am the worst thing they've ever heard since nails on a chalkboard. There is nothing, and I repeat, there is nothing I can do to convince someone else to change their thought pattern. They may lie to me and say I've changed their thought pattern, but I don't know for sure because I'm not in their head. So really, there's nothing I can do to convince someone to think otherwise. So it would be It'd be silly for me to focus on that. There's nothing I can, why would I do it if there's nothing I can do? I can only accept that there's nothing I can do and move on. Now, once again, I understand it's easier said than done to say just accept that you can't change people's thoughts no matter what they think about you. There's nothing you can do to convince them. And it is easier said than done. But that doesn't mean, again, that you do nothing. You are the reason you are feeling this way. No one has as much control over your emotional state as much as you do. You need to remember that. You blame people for the way you feel, but in reality, Viktor Frankl, who was a very intelligent professor, was locked in a concentration camp, I believe Auschwitz, and while he was there, as, as horrible as a situation like that is, the one thing that he would continually think to himself is, this is very good that I'm here, because when I leave here, I'm going to have such an important lesson to teach my students when I'm giving lectures again, that... They locked me up in the worst conditions any human being in all of human history could imagine. And the one thing they can't take from me is my perception. So as, as terrible as this is, this is nothing more than a lesson that I will be able to share with my students after I leave here. And he absolutely did that. When he was back into teaching and he was speaking to his students, he used this mindset, this method, this stoic approach to life to say, they can knock you down, they can lock you up, but they can't take away your thoughts. They can't take away your mind or the way you react. It's an incredibly powerful story, and if he can do it, giving the position he was in, anybody is capable of doing it. Now, something else you can do to maybe help with this is, is shifting your focus. Now, what I mean by that is, ask yourself, am I living to, up to my own expectations? Am I fulfilling the wishes that I hope to be five years from now? Am I closer to that goal? Because if you keep focusing on, am I good enough for them, you're not really doing anything for yourself. So you need to just try to shift your focus to what is my goal, what am I trying to achieve? And if you keep your eyes focused on that, it doesn't matter what anybody says because in the end of the day, you're only focused on moving forward, on, on reaching that goal. My example is this podcast, I'm trying to help people. So if I get 100 comments telling me how terrible I am and I should never you know, publish another episode again, that's fine because I'm not really listening to that. All I'm listening to is the one person that says, hey, Lauren, I heard that last episode. It was really, really powerful. I, I learned a lot. I'm really grateful for these episodes. That, that's it. Like, there's nothing else to it. It's very, it's, I mean, if you're genuine in your intention, no matter what you're doing, if you shift your focus to what the goal is, 
that's all you have in mind. There's, there's nothing else. There is no negativity because it's not in your sense of awareness. There's no, there's nothing there to focus on. The only thing to focus on is, am I reaching my goal? And if I'm not, what can I do to reach it? And I can assure you, no matter how much negativity there is, if you are confident that you are still moving towards your goal, the high that you will feel by doing that, nothing compares. And no amount of negativity can get you down, man, because that is a power, really empowering feeling. Like, I, I cannot express that enough. And it's not, I can't even put it into words. You just need to, you need to try. You need to shift your focus to and set your priorities to something that you really, you personally, nobody else, something that you're doing for yourself and nobody else. And you will see how empowering of a mindset that really is. And it's not trickery, really. It's, it's, not, it's not voodoo. It's not the secret. It's not just faking it until you make it, it's it's literally the opposite. You're quite literally shifting your value hierarchy from the perception of others to, am I happy with what I have done? And you may realize you're not happy. You have not reached your goal. And that's okay because now you're, 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 you're armed with the self-awareness of, I have not reached my goal because I was too focused on what others think about me. So even that is a step in the right direction because now you can start compartmentalizing your thoughts and actions to reach your goal sooner. Having the self-awareness that I wasn't doing enough before is still enough to move forward. That's what people don't understand. They bog themselves down. Oh, I've wasted so much time already. And then they just keep ruminating on those thoughts. It's like, but listen, you've if you're self-aware to the fact that you've already wasted enough time, then what can you do to stop that so you can move forward? It, it's huge. To have that self-awareness again, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And, and I go on about it because I always say this, it, it feels like a superpower, it really does. So how can you physically reach your goal? What, what actions, what actionable things can you do to reach your goal? So write, write it down. Write down where you want to be. As simple as that. Say, I want to have a podcast with a thousand listeners. That's the goal. Now you can think because you're very smart. You're smarter than you give yourself credit for and reverse engineer yourself back to that goal. Say, how, what steps can I take? What's the, what's the last step before I reach a thousand listeners? Well, probably being on someone else's podcast and probably paying for advertising. Okay, what's the step before that? And you just keep working yourself backwards to the first step. So you, you start at the end goal in mind and you reverse engineer a path to reach that goal by working from the last step of what your goal is to how you can get there. When you do it like that, it's a lot more manageable. Even if most of the goals are outside of your realm of possibility due to income or due to connections you don't have yet, write them down. And then you continue. How can I get those connections? How can I get enough income to pay for online advertising? It, it, it will manifest itself. And I don't mean that in the sense of the secret. It manifests itself because you give yourself an actionable method to approach this goal rationally and do actions that will lead to your end goal. That's all it is. There's no voodoo. There's no magic. There's no secret. None of that nonsense. It's literally buckling down writing a plan of action, how you can achieve step-by-step step to get closer to your goal. And you will, you honestly will, because there's nothing else to it other than using your brain, which I know you all have. For example, let's say your goal is to have a six-pack like Batman. You can ask yourself, what am I doing to achieve my goal? What habits do I need to pick up or to achieve this goal? Once you have these priorities listed on a piece of paper, a notebook, whatever it is that's your special thing that no one else looks at because it's just you, you need to just start. And you need to remain consistent at this. You see, consistency is key. 
you must remain laser focused on your goal at all times because you're going to get bogged down. It's going to seem frustrating. It's going to seem tough. There's going to be many times when you're comparing yourself to other people, and that's when you need the self-awareness to reshift your focus again to your end goal. Nothing else matters except for the end goal in mind. Now, if you're that person that wants to get that six-pack like Batman, when you go to the gym for the first time, you're going to think, people are judging me. And as soon as you do, you need to catch yourself and shift your focus back to the end goal. You need to remind yourself why you're at the gym in the first place and how amazing it will feel six months from now when you look like Batman and you say, wow, do you remember the first time I was hesitant to even step in the gym? Now I'm teaching people how to do proper workouts. That those people that are teaching you the first time you step into the gym were you six months before. That's what people don't understand. They think that people are just born and they're just tigers. No, they all start as, everybody starts as a kitten. Everyone's a kitten. Some people grow into tigers and some people remain kittens. And that's important to acknowledge that no one is more successful than you because they were born like that. Even people that are born with, you know, parents that are millionaires or billionaires, great, but they're still depressed. I've met many of them. They're not happy. The only people that are happy are the people that feel self-fulfilled, the people that have set goals and priorities and value hierarchies that they themselves in their heart of hearts feel is important to them. I want to end this podcast with a incredible quote by David Nicholas. And when I read this quote, it struck me so hard that I, I, I literally am looking for a way to create into a picture and post this poster on my wall. And that quote is, no one ever built the statue of a critic. I want you to think about that. Until next time, I hope you guys really learned something from this podcast. If you have any questions or you just want to talk to someone or you want to learn more about this topic, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can find me at Space Tree Hub on social media or you can visit my website at spacetree.ca and I'd be more than happy to answer any of your emails, answer any of your questions. If you want to collaborate, if you want to come on the podcast, anything like that, you can reach out to me at info at spacetree.ca or you can send me an email at lornbronstein17 at gmail.com. Until next time, I want to thank you so much for listening, and Lorne Bronstein out.